Hi, I'm Helen Hayes, head of iShares Canada, and I'm here with Winnie Qatar, head of market structure for ETF and index investing markets and investments in APAC, to discuss opportunities in international equities given the current macro environment. Hi, Winnie. So great to see you. How are you? Thank you very much for having me here. It is truly a pleasure talking to you about Asian markets here today. You recently returned from a trip to Japan, and I want to hear all about it. And I'm just curious, you met with investors, you were out talking about the BlackRock views of emerging markets, developing markets. Any key themes that you walked away with or that you want to share with our listeners today? It was my first trip with BlackRock going out into Tokyo and meeting the investors, meeting the regulators and policymakers in Japan as well. And it was fascinating. The purpose of the trip initially to start was actually twofold. One, showcase how iShares is delivering superior investment performance to our clients in Japan for our local listed range. We also met with the Japan Japanese regulators and policymakers, the exchange, to share our insight on how we can work together to drive market modernization, how we can advance ETF adoption in Japan market. I met with a range of regional banks, local asset managers, a range of broker dealers, as well as some of our competitors as well while I was there. And two new things that actually came to me through these conversations, which, which I wasn't quite as close to about Japan market was one, how big the wealth and retail segment is and how fast growing it is as a consumer segment for ETFs. And the fact that Japan is actually attracting inflows, not just from their local retail and, and wealth segment, but also from Japan, also from South Korea, and also from Taiwanese investors who are very, very active investing in Japan. Similarly, as you say, I think it's a trend that we see globally as well from the inflows that we've seen in Japan-focused ETFs globally. Second thing that came to my attention was there's a lot of flow, so there's a lot of activity and a lot of volume trading, but there is a need for a consolidated date in Japan market. So roughly 50 to 70% of total trading of ETFs in Japan takes place of exchange. So while market data sources, it shows you only the portion that is traded on exchange. Can you imagine when you're looking at volume, you're only seeing 30 to 40% of what is actually traded. A significant portion which is traded off exchange is currently not visible. So as we had these conversations with investors and told them about venues and how they can trade on RFQs and other places and off exchange in Japan, it was very positively received and we'll be working with policymakers on how we can create the transparency of this off-exchange trading, which will aid price discovery, create visibility of total liquidity in Japan market, and further increase attractiveness of ETFs in Japan. The BlackRock Investment Institute, in its 2023 mid-year outlook, is tactically underweight in developed market equities and tactically overweight in emerging market equities. But that being said, we've seen really interesting trends coming out of Japan within developed markets. We've had a more favorable view of Japanese equities, and we've also seen really good flows into some of our Canadian iShares products that provide exposure to Japan, like our iShares Core MSCI EFI Index ETF, which holds about 24% Japan, and CJP, our iShares Core MSCI EFI ETF. Why do you think, Winnie, there's been such a renewed interest in investing in Japan? I would say there are three main factors that are driving global investor interest in Japan. First, the favorable macro regime. There's moderate inflation in Japan and wage growth, which are staging a comeback. 
after many years, almost a decade of a deflationary environment. We are also expecting a GDP growth of 1% for the next several quarters to come, which at a time when other developed peers are experiencing a slowdown. Second is corporate governance reform. Japan started on the part of corporate governance reform in 2014. Government is urging companies with low ROE to review their capital policy and to reform their business model. Japan Exchange has released guidelines for listed companies with PB ratio of 1 to disclose progress of the reform at an annual basis. And third, which is not the last point, not the last, but importantly, there are compelling company valuations. Recent market rally, Nikkei reached its all-time high, has pushed the valuations up, but Japan is still cheaper than the US, especially when you look at it from a JEN-based funding cost basis. It's interesting. I think because we've had such a strong beginning of 2023 in terms of whether it's the S&P or NASDAQ, we are definitely seeing Canadian investors start to pivot and look in other places around the world. Winnie, perhaps we can call it the Buffett effect, but Warren Buffett has very publicly spoken to the opportunity he sees in Japan. Attractive valuations, low level of indebtedness, accommodative monetary policy reform, and corporate governance reforms, all making the Japanese equity market very interesting. I'd like to turn our focus now to emerging markets, Winnie. In our BlackRock mid-year outlook, we rated emerging market equities as tactically overweight. Can you elaborate on this view? Two reasons for it, broadly. First one is the macro backdrop. Emerging markets has been more accommodative than developed markets. If you look at the last one year, most of the central banks started their rate hike cycles for emerging markets almost a year before developed markets and have now paused or are very close to pausing their rate hike cycles. And when we look at emerging market equities, they seem to have priced the damage better than their DM counterparts. And there are three strong contenders in EM, which is China, South Korea, and India. If you look at China, reopening post-COVID, bit sluggish, but there is ongoing state-run reform. Companies can yield positive impact. And recently, government's stimulus on real estate came through. If you look at South Korea, it witnessed slowing global demand in the last one year, but we see that trend reversing in South Korea's role in tech and AI supply chains makes it very, very compelling. And last but not the least, we continue to favor India strategically because despite high valuations, the macro backdrop in comparison has been very, very robust. With inflation coming under control and Reserve Bank of India's pause earlier on rate hikes will definitely help ease the financial tightness. Winnie, it's really interesting because certainly here in Canada, we have seen very, very strong flows into our emerging markets ETFs. XCC, which is our iShares Core MSCI Emerging Markets Index, it's low-cost, broadly diversified ETF that gives investors exposure to emerging markets with over 3,000 securities has been definitely an area where we've seen very strong inflows, as well as XEMC, which is our iShares MSCI Emerging Markets ex-China Index ETF which gives Canadian investors access to emerging market equity. If you look at long-term economic growth, it is broadly impacted by two factors, which is demographics and the productivity. As most developed nations and China is facing this headwind that we have aging population and Japan's facing the headwind as well, there's definitely favor. Economic growth would be skewed in favor of countries that have 
growing population or younger population. So we see this as an opportunity in EM, ex-China, to start with. But that said, when you look at our second half outlook, a new macro regime and a new structural force that is actually shaping our next round of conversation and is being discussed as a mega force is automation and AI. So the recent advancements in AI have focused investor attention on it being a very, very fast evolving segment and the role it can play to drive the growth in technology sector. It doesn't necessarily outset or outpace the aging population, but AI can provide solutions to to drive growth at a much sustainable rate for developed markets, where developed markets are very appropriately positioned to benefit from it. Well, Winnie, number one, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about international equities. And I think really to bring a lens into what's happening in Japan, emerging markets and APAC as you're sitting in Hong Kong. Thank you. And as always, I love to hear your views and we look forward, hopefully at some point to have you here coming out and marketing to our investors in Canada. Thank you so much, Winnie. Thank you very much for having me today with you, Helen. It was fantastic speaking to you and look forward to connecting again and seeing our markets grow globally.